By downloading or listening to this podcast, you are agreeing to Moody's legal terms and conditions found at moody's.com slash disclaimer, including that the information provided is not investment or financial advice, and that Moody's will not be liable for losses arising from your use of the information. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Emerging Markets Decoded. I'm your host for today, Shireen Mohammadi, coming to you from New York. Today, I'm joined by my fellow co-host of this podcast, Scott Phillips, head of our Global Emerging Markets team, to assess the latest turn of events for EM credit conditions. Welcome, Scott. Hey, Shireen. Good to be speaking with you. Now, since the end of 2022, in what is quite a remarkable turn of fortune, emerging markets have come back into fashion for investors. A combination of a moderately softening dollar against a basket of EM currencies, falling inflation, and peaking interest rates have all contributed to a resumption of inflows into EM funds. On top of this, China's sudden reopening has provided a further tailwind, with an expectation of a boost to global demand. That being said, some investors fear that this view is misplaced, and that inflation will remain sticky in many countries. GDP growth will be flat at best, and the concerns around a broader debt crisis in some frontier economies could spill over into other EMs. So Scott, let's get right into it. We've seen a big risk-on rally since the end of last year, which has driven a lot of EM outperformance. Where do you think we are now with EM credit conditions more broadly? So Shirin, let's pa- unpack this because you know, I would say we're at something of a crossroads right now for EM credit conditions. You're definitely right, though. We've seen a pretty significant shift in in sentiment towards emerging markets. And a lot of this has been driven by what's been going on in the US and also China's reopening, as as you just said. Um, so, so looking at the US, you know, we've seen headline inflation continue to trickle down. And this has supported, you know, a general rally in in Treasury bond yields. Credit spreads have also come down too. And and, and the dollar has definitely softened. And since the start of this year, we've also had a really good pickup in bond issuance activity. And money has definitely started flowing back into EM funds. So all of this sounds you know, generally very positive for, for EM issuers. Now, that being said, I think our general view is that financing conditions will remain tight in 2023. Uh, and when we think through the impact of that, you know, we continue to think it's really the, the frontier economies that are most exposed. You know, really, this is the, the smaller, less diversified uh, countries that we have in our, in our EM universe. And I think for the, for the larger, higher-rated EM sovereigns, you know, they, they're going to continue to demonstrate uh, the resilience that they've shown in, in recent months. I think that's, that's, that's really our view there. Okay, now looking at U.S. interest rates, it seems that the market has been betting on rate cuts in the second half of the year, although recently this view has eased somewhat. What are our views on this? Yeah, I would definitely agree with uh, the second half of what you just said around you know, changing expectations. This is certainly um, a very volatile and, and, and fluid picture. So our views, right, I mean, our, our baseline forecast is still for a recession uh, in the US in the middle part of this year. And this really reflects our view that the Fed will hold course and they're going to raise rights high enough to bring down inflation sustainably. Now, clearly, some recent economic data has been pretty positive, um, particularly the payroll data in in early February. And looking at inflation, yeah, absolutely, headline inflation has certainly fallen from the peak. But if you look at core inflation, stripping out food and energy, this has definitely been uh, more sticky. So I think on balance, we think the policy environment in the US uh, will remain restrictive uh, and that there will be a recession um, in the US this year. 
And what would this mean for EM credit conditions? Right. So, I mean, if a recession were to be avoided, I mean, clearly that would be, um, I think, quite bullish for emerging markets and would, would certainly sustain uh, the positive sentiment we've seen towards the, the asset class this year. But as I said, this isn't our base case. And, and we think EM financial conditions will remain pretty challenging for, for much of 2023. Let's shift now to the local macro picture. Is the peak inflation story really true across emerging markets? If we look at the local currency space, where are the surprises going to come from in terms of monetary policy? No, it's a great question. I mean, I wouldn't think about it in terms of surprises. It's more of a a continuation of the story that's played out um, over the last couple of years. Um, I mean, we know that last year, central banks were generally very proactive in dealing with inflation uh, to defend their currencies against excessive volatility. This has been true pretty much across the board in, in EM. And I think when you look at LATAM, and in particular Brazil, you know, they were great examples of, of this, right? Um, and as we've talked about before, I think the focus for this year is probably going to be more on growth rather than inflation. Now, that doesn't mean you know, the concerns around inflation have gone away. Uh, definitely not. Uh, I think it's true to say that inflation is generally coming down, like we just talked about in the US. And for many countries, they're going to, get, they're going to be trending towards central bank targets. But inflation is still quite sticky in a number of countries, places like Egypt, where the currency devaluation has increased the cost of imports, Peru, where political and, and social tensions have disrupted supply chains, but then in other countries too, like, like Philippines and, and Colombia. So I guess, you know, the battle against inflation definitely isn't over, but we think central banks will, will hold the course when it comes to monetary policy. Now, when it comes to growth, we still expect GDP growth across EMs to be weaker in 2023, uh, in particular for the commodity exporters. And I think looking at recent PMI data, I think backs that view up pretty well. Turning now to China, we're seeing a shift in expectations for Chinese growth this year, mostly driven by swift rebound in domestic consumption. How positive is this for emerging markets? So it is positive, absolutely. Uh, let's start there. But as I mentioned at the start, it's been one of the, the main drivers behind the shift in, in sentiment towards emerging markets. We've had the reopening, as you mentioned, um, but we've also had you know, really a shift in policy focus to growth you know, from, from regulatory tightening and, and deleveraging. Uh, and recent data certainly suggests that Chinese GDP growth will Will be stronger than we previously expected, mainly because of, of consumption and, and services activity. For example, travel bookings are said to have you know, really surged over the, the recent holiday period, uh, particularly to uh, other uh, travel destinations in Asia, places like Thailand and, and, and Malaysia. So, so clearly some EMs are, are, are benefiting, but this is probably quite, quite local, quite regional. And I think on the flip side, you know, we do think that infrastructure investment and manufacturing growth will probably moderate from 2022 levels. Also, exports from China are probably going to be weaker too. The other thing to talk about is the Chinese property market, and we think a, a recovery there is going to take a little bit more time. So I guess all of this means that the, the shape of the recovery will be different this time, and we don't think there'll be the same broad-based benefits for emerging markets that we have seen in, uh, in previous cycles. And finally, throughout 2022, our view was that sovereign default risks were really concentrated in frontier economies. We now have around a quarter of our EM sovereign ratings at CAA1 or below. So is this still the case? Do you think we're going to see a wave of EM sovereign defaults this year? And which countries should we be most concerned about? 
Yeah, it's another great question, Shireen. Uh, and to be honest, it's one that's being asked by a lot of market participants. Now, since November, we have taken uh, a number of negative rating actions in the sovereign EM space, but in all regions. Um, you know, we've downgraded Nigeria, but you know, we also put Bangladesh's ratings under review for possible downgrade. And also change the uh, the outlook on Cambodia's rating to to negative, but it hasn't all been negative. We actually upgraded Belize's rating, same with Uzbekistan, and we changed the outlook on on Jordan's rating to, to positive. And I think you know just to sort of pick up on the on the on the stat you gave there, um, it is important to emphasize that while you know around a quarter of the EM sovereigns are in this CAA one and, and below bucket. If you look at a, a more of a debt-based metric, this number falls below 10%. So I think this really shows that there is this concentration of, of EM sovereign debt within the larger, higher-rated emerging markets rather than, rather than the frontier economies. And if we go further, we can see that you know, not all of these sovereigns are, are the same, right? I mean, they have a different, a different profile, different history, uh, and, 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 and often different drivers of their rating. Um, you've clearly got you know, countries that are currently in default, like Ghana. Sri Lanka, Zambia, but then you've also got other countries like Iraq and, and, and Solomon Islands, you know, and, and the ratings there really tend to reflect, you know, weaknesses in, in economic and in institutional strength rather than fiscal strength. But I think kind of getting to the point of your question, you have another group of countries, you know, seven or eight countries or so with, with, with very weak fiscal strength, with increased default risk. And I think this is particularly relevant when we're thinking about tight financial conditions. In this category, I would put countries like Nigeria, Pakistan, Tunisia, and, and Ethiopia. Scott, thank you for the very insightful discussion today. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. Join us next time for another episode. And in the meantime, if you have any comments or topic suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to email us at empodcast@moody's.com. Thanks for listening to this Moody's Talks podcast. To find out more about the topics discussed, please follow the links in the show notes. You can check out other Moody's Talks podcasts by visiting moody's.com slash podcasts.